The TSI research team published a book about digital transformation. We titled it Digital Hesitation for a Reason. My guest today has also published a book about digital transformation. Spoiler alert, he also believes companies need to enter this journey with eyes wide open. I'm Thomas Law, the Executive Director of the Technology and Services Industry Association. Welcome to Tectonic, the podcast where we explore what makes technology business models successful in today's world. Today, I will be speaking with Dr. Tim Bodke, the Chief Innovation Officer for Deloitte Central Europe and the author of Digital Transformation Payday, Navigate the Hype, Lower the Risks, Increase the Return on Investments. So let's get the Insight engine humming. Tim, welcome to Tectonic. First of all, tell us about your current role at Deloitte. I have many roles at Deloitte, and I think the the most important one is that I'm still a strategy advisor to many very important clients, mostly in what we call the telecom media entertainment sector. That's a sector I'm also managing at a broader scale. Um, so that's where I'm running all my strategy transformation, digital transformation projects. And as a big organization as Deloitte is, obviously I also have some managerial roles. And I guess the most important one is that I'm leading all innovation teams for half of Europe. That's the easiest way to explain. And you and, and you've been at Deloitte for quite a while, right? How many years have you been there? It's a tenth year. I, I think out of of the twenty something years in the industry, the last ten years I've spent now with the biggest firm on the planet. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty long tenure in, in that role. So congratulations. So so we're going to talk about digital transformation, and I want to start up with how you define that concept for a B2B company? Because, you know, that's a kind of broad term used a lot of different ways. So how do you define digital transformation? You know what? I love this question because it, I have been asked often how I do, do I define digital transformation? And let's go to the B2B part in the second part of my answer. But what I usually say is that uh, first forget the word digital. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, look, it needs to be a transformation and transformation means that the company is changing from a current state to something which is different, potentially very different from where it used to be, but driven by a strategy. And that's my key part of the definition I always say is that without knowing where to go, this transformation doesn't make sense. And you can cross out digital because for me, digital is just means to an end to win in the marketplace. And it's the same is true for B2C companies or for B2B companies. I guess for B2B companies, it's easier and harder at the same time because you need to be even more clear. You have less customers and you cannot scale that easily. So that makes life much more complex often for B2B companies. But it's all about transformation, nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a point well taken there because, you know, technology is not a strategy. Technology supports a strategy. So if somebody says, hey, we're going to go digitize our workflows or we're going to be more digital or whatever. To your, to your point, I mean, what is the overarching business strategy? Um, so I completely onboard that. I think this, the second thing, which is very important that you're saying, is it is a business model transformation. If you're really going to go through this, your workflows are different. The way people operate is different. And I, you know, I think we see this consistently. I think you see it consistently is that companies underestimate that transformation. They really underestimate you know, the, how broad-based that transformation needs to be and how the company operates to really have a successful 
digital transformation. So I think it, you know, it makes for interesting times for sure. And so, you know, I, I think the catalyst for this book that you, you put out there was the, the fact that you know, you're on a journey to explicitly connect the dots between digital transformation and company valuation, because I think you had several clients that were saying, hey, you know, this digital transformation thing, should I do it? Is it really worth it? <laughs> you know, when I come out the other side, is the company going to be worth more or, or not? I mean, and, which is a fair question, right? So um, get right to the punchline, right? What did you find there, right? You went on this journey to see, does digital transformation equate to, you know, higher valuation? Look, it was actually a very scary journey because... Um, as I approached this also from a bit of a scientific academic angle, it was all designed in a way that um, the outcome was unclear. I, I was hoping that I could find proof, but I, I had the strong gut feeling based on all the stories I've seen where digital for digital's sake was uh, wasted, um, uh, billions and billions wasted, it wasn't clear to me what would come out. And the, the answer is, the punchline is, luckily, on average, and you will appreciate that I say on average, yeah. you, you, you could show that the more digital a company is or companies are, the more likely they are to see a correlation to their market capitalization. The problem is, and that's now, it's on average. Yeah. And, and you know this joke that if you, your feet are in the oven and your head is in the fridge, on average, you are fine, but in reality, yeah. you're dead. <laughs> right. And that's exactly what the research was showing. So actually, there is a widespread performance gap between the losers and the winners in that space. But it's not as dramatic as I was fearing, because it could have happened that you say, look, there's no correlation whatsoever, which can be demonstrated. Yeah, so there's definitely good news there. And and I think our perspective when we look at how companies are operating, it, it's starting to become in many ways a non-negotiable because if you're operating in an industry and you are not going through this digital transformation, you're not more digital in, in your workflows, et cetera, it is just becoming such a massive competitive disadvantage, Yes. right? And and, and so I, I think that it's, it really is becoming table stakes for, for companies to have to, you know, being forced, you know, to, to lean into this. And, and let's talk about this in, in the short run, right? So, so I think this is one of the greatest challenges that we observe is that the, the reason leadership teams hesitate with their digital transformation, right, is, is because it is disruptive to the current business model, right? It's going to impact your, your uh, revenue in the short term. It's going to, you know, cause you, you know, to have more expenses, et cetera. So how do you coach leadership teams to get through that reality, to not be focused just on the near term, but to understand that this is non-negotiable for the long term? I've seen now over the past, I would say, three, four years that actually management teams have understood so um, it's not that you could say, look, no one is getting it, that it's a long-term game and that you initially have a dip. So everyone seems to know. The coaching which needs to happen is on how do you communicate this? Because you can do two things. You can, you can walk along the long-term journey, understand all the pain, but you need to demonstrate some early successes to get all your share and stakeholders calm down because everyone knows. And the... What we've seen in the research building on the book later is that actually shareholders do know. So when they see that there is no strategy, it's just about technology, 
when they see that um, there's no link between strategy and technology, when they see that it's not a transformation where people, organization, everything is covered, then they place a serious discount on the market cap, on the valuation. So everyone knows, but still you would be surprised how often people are stuck that they, they know it's sunk cost if, if it was failing, but they still will continue um, to do the same things because they think they will recover. It's all the psychological elements in there with very high investments at stake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually see the, this really strong pattern recognition between companies that have to go through a digital transformation and, and how they operate. And what we've seen in tech is companies have moved from traditional transactional business models to the recurring, yeah. right? Yeah. To the as a service. And in, in what you're articulating, it's the same thing, right? So we, you can see if management teams you know, on this, on the, on the, you know, as a service transformation, if management teams came up and said, oh, we're building recurring revenues and, you know, it's going to be great. And, and, but there was really no there, there, <laughs> they didn't, then you're, then you're right. They, they, they would get no bump in valuation because investors are like, I don't really get the story. Right. And, and you're saying it's the same thing with digital transformation. If you're just saying, oh yeah, we're going to be more digital. We're making these investments and blah, blah, blah. But there's no there, there about why, you know, that's linked to, to, you know, to growing in markets or what the real strategy is, then, then investors aren't stupid. <laughs> they're, no, they're, no, they're, far, they're far not, from. And, and the data right? is showing they, they really know in detail. And a story I love to tell is just, just imagine two competitors in the market. Both are sitting on legacy systems. Uh, both look into what the hyperscalers are doing in terms of customer journeys, etc. Both both define their requirements based on what they see. Both selecting the same CRM system and platforms, the leading edge ones. Both finding out after two years that their customization budget is not enough. And both ending up with the out-of-the-box solutions from that provider then you might be closer to the hyperscaler, but the competitive game hasn't changed. Right. Nothing has changed at all. As you said, when there's no there there, you end up not changing anything. Yeah, in 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 the book, you know, you you made this this statement, right? That digital transformation alone is no formula for winning, right? So, from your experience, how do companies really trip up there? What are, what are some of the foundational strategy mistakes that they make when they're go trying to go on this journey of, of digital transformation? Very simply, that there's no proper strategy. Like in in my simple world, you need to set some objectives, but then you need to really think very hard how to win in the space where you've decided to play in. And uh, if you cannot find that recipe, you play to play, as we call it. Yeah. And you do not play to win. And then you just end up doing, like the story I told before, the same thing everyone else is doing, better, faster, slower. That doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. And that's, that's often missing. But I've also... I've, I've asked the question to many executives I've talked to uh, based on the book. And one funny quote from a CEO in, in Eastern Europe was, look, and they're very good. So they've, they would be in, in all benchmarks would say, wow, they're wow. Yeah. And he said, look, my key experience is these transformations are always failing at the one element which we haven't considered. And now we have technology under control. The platforms are much better than they used to be. We have the integration layers more or less under control because we know the complexities and budget accordingly. We have a strategy and now we forgot about the people. So, so now 
our customers, how do they see things. And one fun example for if you do a credit scoring when you buy a house, Thomas. So if Thomas buys his first big house and then they've set up an AI-based mechanism to do all the credit scoring in a fraction of a second, and then they found out that their customers hated it because it turned out that the Thomases, whoever wanted to buy a house, the most important investment decision of your life, they expected a human to spend time thinking about whether it's the right thing to do. And then what they did, they, they slowed down the algorithm. They put a break inside so it, the next day then the human element would come in. So, so that's why it's always the missing element. And currently it's often the people dimension. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a couple of things that, you know, you, you put on the table there. And again, I think this general theme that technology in and of itself is not business strategy and, and that there's a failure there, that as you're going through this transformation, you know, you have got to be thinking about the people piece of it, you, you, you know, because you can just put new platforms in, you know, et cetera. And, you know, related question here, you know, you have this entire chapter that describes how digital transformation can take a management team what you, off what you call the payback track, yeah. right? And so since you work for a consulting firm, right, I was both sort of shocked and impressed <laughs> that you wrote a chapter with that title, right? Because, you know, consultants love to come in and say, oh, you got to do this. It's going to be great. And they don't, you know, let's not worry about the ROI so much. So talk about this this dynamic, right? Or how management teams get, get off the payback track. Look, I'm a, in the end, I'm a strategy consultant. And so the so in my ambition has always been to give the right long-term advice based on my best knowledge, mm-hmm. which automatically means that um, technology is just means to an end if you believe to have recipes, same what we discussed before. And, but the planet and the world we all live in has now turned to something where there are so many partners in this ecosystem who actually benefit in any case, no matter whether there's a strategy place in place, yes or no, just in many cases, the actual company implementing is not benefiting if there's no strategy. And then all the wrong incentives kicking in makes things run. Then Gen AI is just one example, you know? Yeah. Certainly, I love the technology, but I've been in, for the book, I've done natural language processing, machine learning, all these kind of things. It has been there for years. Yeah. Now we have the large language models with a nice front end and suddenly everyone wants a gen AI strategy. Yeah. Which is total nonsense because what you need is a strategy and then you can think, hmm, how can gen AI help me to win in my marketplace? It's it's basically a sub problem of the digital transformation problem we just discussed. Yeah. Well, let me click into that one a little bit. So so I'll just give an observation of what I'm seeing on the AI front and in what our research team is, is seeing. And, and I think that there's sort of two levels of, of this conversation. So at one level, there's the overarching business strategy. And I love your your phrase there that are you play to play or play to win, right? So if you if you're just if you don't have a you know good strategy, you're just you know you're just playing to play. Underneath that though, and and, and and if we click into what is rapidly evolving with with AI capabilities, and I also agree things like machine learning, et cetera, have been around for quite a while, right? But you know, those technology capabilities are are completely disrupting 
workflows. And I'll give you a simple example. Um, so we have research in the area of education services, right? So you're a tech company, you create training, education materials. And if you think about some of the basic building blocks of what happens there, you know, you create course materials, you create tests, you create, um, you know, multiple languages, you create materials for different personas. That that used to be very labor intensive, right? You might, you know, you're doing a course and I cost you, you know, 50, 60, $70,000 to develop. Using AI capabilities now, we are watching education service organizations shrink those costs, you know, to a tenth of what they used to be, generating materials in days that used to take weeks, right? And I'm putting all this on the table because I think that technology is, is evolving in a way in terms of impacting workflows that if you aren't leaning in to digitizing workflows like education services, right, you're going to wake up two years from now and your entire business model, your cost structure is going to be non-competitive. It's going to be a non-starter. And one thing and I'm really curious what you're seeing with companies is one thing I get nervous about with leadership teams is I don't know if it has sunk in with them how fast this is going to move and how disruptive these technologies are going to be to cost structures. And so I just, I'd be curious what you're observing there, because again, this is, this is more of the lower you know, sort of tactical reality of how technology is changing, you know, the cost of doing, you know, a, a lot of knowledge work. What, what, what are you seeing there in terms of leadership teams really getting that? I, I, as you know, I can relate to that because I'm, I'm a professor at, at, at Bocconi, so a leading global business school and the and let's and to just to take a step back i think the question is different from my perspective it will happen yeah so um all the courses i have designed over my life i think i can design much faster in the future yeah um and that will be good because there's a lot of waste in, in what has to be done but i think the key question is now when i have this course which is so much faster at lower cost how do i differentiate from all the other ones who can build these courses yeah and and, and that, that's the key, that's the real question i'm sure all the schools and education firms who do everything manual they would die so that, that's a given <laughs> right, right but yeah. but the question is not what happens with the stupid ones but how do the ones who adopt this technology how do they then win again because look if if all the knowledge in the professor's head is worth nothing because it's all in the large language model then how do you attract someone to to take the course for a fee which makes it different, which is not nine euro fifty for a strategy course? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're going down a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I want to keep going down here in terms of of so, so again, one thing I'm putting on the table is the fact that I do think these digital technologies are going to dramatically change the cost of doing business, and the companies have to get their head around that. You, what you put on the table was okay. Once that happens, how do people then differentiate themselves? And you know, I think that you know these technologies are coming for you and me. And what do I mean by that? I mean we are people that talk to companies about their strategies, right? You know, we're and and if people can can get a bunch of basic insights or, or, or even not basic, really great insights, right? Like uh, build my digital transformation strategy, right? And something, you know, and you can get a, you know, a 50 page document on that with a push of a button. Now, how do you create, you know, value on top of that? You know, and I think that everybody, again, I, I think anybody listening to this, if you are a knowledge worker, you know, that conversation is coming to you. 
I think if you think you're so special and you're completely immune from it, um, I think you have to think again. I mean, I, I really do. I have, I have one great example from my industry. So um, telecoms, you know, the, um, the telecoms industry was struggling for years to get the digital first ratio up so that customers, when they have any issue, that they first choose digital channel before they go to the call center or to the shops. Yeah. And then suddenly the best chief digital officer, it, it sounds sarcastic, but that has been said, I can quote it, the best digital officer ever, which was called Corona, um, came, and suddenly the digital shares went up through the roof. But then when, when Corona was under control, there was this real fight in management teams saying, so what happens now? Should we try to keep it up, Camp A, or should we actually use the shops as a human element to differentiate? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's going to be super, you know, interesting. And, and I want to go back to the to the payback conversation because, again, a, a lot of management teams get frozen because, you know, again, they don't want to disrupt the short term. Where, where do you see some of the greatest paybacks related to investing? In digital transformation how would you classify those that's something you can see based on all the research we've built on top of the book so it's very clear if you have limited money to spend first think about your strategy as we said before second really try to understand how the technologies you could use help you to win in the marketplace i'll add a few comments about that part later and then finally in these days most importantly the change elements in your organization they become crucial and I've had, especially on the second um, element, I've had fun discussions with management teams and we basically said, Tim, leave me alone with all this tech crap. I'm, I'm a commercial officer. I don't want to understand all these platforms. And then I'm usually saying, oh, hmm, maybe you should reconsider because it, it's like a plumber who doesn't understand 80% of his arsenal of tools it's, it will never work. And like, and the way to get these people then to change their approach is usually saying, look, 10 years from now, there will be, from my perspective, no CEO of a leading company who's not a techie in its, his, his or her heart. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And you, you mentioned the you know, chief commercial officer. I, th I think what's really you know, fascinating. So, so if you look at the rise of this role of CRO, right, chief revenue officer, which last time I looked, maybe about I don't know, 17% of the companies that, that we track in different in indexes have a CRO right now, right? So it's not common practice, but when you click into that role, I would argue that, you know, there's two types of CROs out there. There's CROs that really are sales executives with a fancier title <laughs> and their, and their profile is what you're describing. They're like, I don't, you know, I don't care about technology. I don't, don't I don't talk about the, all these channel metrics or whatever. I just want to go sell stuff, right? I want to go hit numbers. And then there is what I would call a true CRO. And a chief revenue officer is somebody who is looking at, across all of their channels, right? Direct, you know, partners, digital, et cetera. And they're, and, they're, and they're really thinking a lot about how they cost effectively take the money off the table. And they are yes. very technology savvy and they are very data driven, right? And, and so I, I agree. So I, you know, you say any CEO, I would say, you know, any sales leader, you know, is, is going to be some, I mean, any, any role you're in, any CFO, any service leader, they're, they're all going to have to be very comfortable with how technology 
drives the economics of, of their business. And, and you see that more and more what we do a lot in the background is that also boards, supervising companies yes. have to become much, much more tech savvy. And there is research clearly demonstrating that there is the more tech savvy a board is, the more likely it is that the company succeeds. But um, it's still a transition process. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what we've seen and what I've seen is you, you need to provide mechanisms how to teach the boards who are there how do these technologies work um, because in the board meetings it's highly unlikely that someone will say can you explain to me again what what this platform does and why do we need to spend half a billion to implement it yeah. well i mean you're so we did a chapter in the last book around the role of boards in in digital transformation and as a service transformation and you know i would when we've looked those case studies, uh, you know, in this question here, I basically, what I would put on the table is what successful companies have in common. The f ones that really do go through a business model transformation is typically new board members, not all new board members, but they bring in new blood who, to your point, they understand the role of technology, they understand, you know, digital, et cetera. And the ones that really struggle have these boards that are populated by people that are at the end of their careers, they grew up in a different era, you know, in terms of the way things operate. And unfortunately, and I'm not telling anything you don't already know, a lot of boards are composed of that profile, <laughs> right? The friends of the CEO club, right? And they are at the tail end of their careers. They operated in a different era and they are, I'm sorry, they are not adding a lot of value to, to, to the firm at that point. I mean, they're just, they're just the wrong people to help navigate business model transformation. And, and just to add to that, just imagine, and I've had discussions in countries which are much more mid-cap centric mm -hmm. than, than the typical large-scale corporates yeah. I've looked into for my research. Yeah. And there is even, even stronger an issue because yeah. if it's family-owned, oh, large yeah. businesses, yep. um, then how do you get the right skills in, into the mix? Yes. And then yes. the decision is also harder because it's not someone else's money to be spent. Yeah. It's it's the family money That's and right. so on. Yeah. So it's that will be for Germany for sure, which is a very strong mid cap market. Yeah, yeah. We have several German private, you know, companies that are technology companies that are part of the TSI community, and that dynamic is so real, you know, and these, and these are companies, you know, my experience, and you have way more experience with those companies, but just as, as an American making the observation here is they are typically, you know, very well managed, a lot of financial discipline, right? Good, solid, really solid companies, but changing, transforming business model is not their strong suit. Yeah. It's, and it's, and it's, I think one of the key learnings I would say from my research, and that's, that's another message based on the question you've asked before. So what, what's the punchline? I think if someone out there would say, this is a recipe mm -hmm. to digitally transform, you'd best send this person away quicker than you, than anything else. Because the recipe is never the same. Um, it's never the same by industry. Every industry has trigger points. And if you're too early, you're in trouble. If you're too late, you're in even more trouble. Um, Company size differs. That's what the data is showing. The, the, your size matters really on how your shareholders appreciate what you do. Yeah. Your financial performance is different and it's changing 
the ways how you can influence market cap. So a simple recipe is maybe something for your fridge um, to put it on the fridge, but not for a company to transform. Yeah. It, so, and I'm going to, I'm going to push on that a little bit only in the sense that, cause I, I, I agree, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, every, you know, you cannot basically say here are the 10 steps to digital transformation. Just go do this. I completely agree. With, I completely on board that. Having said that though, I, cause I spent a lot of time and as you do across companies and you know that that there are there's pattern recognition there and one of the things where i think management teams get twisted around is that you know they think they are so special and they're so unique okay and and so i you know one line that i use with with executive teams is 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 if i'm talking about business model transformation because they're going to they're going to tell you all the reasons they can't do it Right, they're going to give you all the reasons that they're special, and their customers and their products are special, and their markets are special. And so, I usually lead by saying, "Look, I'm going to tell you something that I hope your mother never said to you, and that is, you're not special. (laughs) You're not a complete snowflake, right?" And so, there. So, you know, you and I are on a sort of a continuum here, right? And and so, on one end, where you know everything is exactly the same across company industry, we I think we know that's not true. But on the other end, you know, you, you have to take advantage of the patterns. You have to basically say, look, there are certain laws of physics that are in play here for your company that are applying to all companies that, you, you, that you're not immune to. You know, if the fact that markets are going more digital, you're not immune to that. I don't care how special, I don't care if you've been around for, you know, 80 years, 100 years, you know, it doesn't matter. As a company, th- these trends are coming your way and, and you have to lean, lean into them, and, and, which is a question I want to ask you. I mean, do you believe that that ultimately every industry sort of every market does become more digital i mean is is there anybody who's immune to this no 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 i think there's that's the theme and it's what i call the catalyst of the digital transformation in the book in the end it's affecting everyone around us um so no one is immune and as i said probably if i have two choices to to be wrong I'd rather be early in transforming than too, far too late. It's both not perfect, um, but I'm always struggling. As you said, yes, there's nothing so special about most companies in the understanding of what they need to do, yeah. but they need to be very special in what they do. Otherwise, in the end, everyone will be the same. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I, I agree with that. I mean, you, again, this uniqueness, you, and back to the strategy conversation, you know, are we playing to play? Are we playing to win? What is what is your uniqueness? You know, your unique value, you know, you, the way that you're doing things and, and, and providing more value than your competitors, that always has to be at the epicenter of the, of the strategy and the, and the conversation for sure. And that they cannot get lost in this, in, you know, in the pursuit of digital transformation or technology in general. Um, so, so I'm going to be respectful of your time here. I want to ask you one final question here and it's about, you know, helping, you know, companies assess where they are in this journey. Right. So, so you write that you're, you're skeptical of many of the models out there. Again, here's our recipe or, you know, here's, you know, here's how you can assess your maturity. Um, and, and again, I'm kind of shocked that you write that as a consultants love to, you know, here, here's, here's our two by two, right? <laughs> and you're in the bottom left and we got to move you up here. So, um, so how would you coach a management team to assess their current state regarding digital capabilities? I, I think, as I said in the book, I, I love some of the uses of digital maturity models. So they, they are the best 
one of the best tools to get someone's attention. You know, you, I think you and I, over a glass of red wine, we can design so beautiful, nice maturity models. We just invent 10 dimensions. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we say what, what is good and what is bad. Then we do not talk a second of how to weigh these dimensions. Then we put in the company we want to sell stuff to. Um, then we put a company which everyone thinks is the best. And then we say, look, this is your need to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a perfect tool for very in unexperienced companies to be benchmarked like this. Um, but it doesn't help other than understanding that they need to change. Yeah, there's a gap, yeah. Um, because the, because the, the dimensions, they're all so subjective and they are often so static um, that, that it's not helping like to really define the way forward. It's just a status assessment. I see it differently if you go to a more detailed functional level. I don't know. If you want to benchmark the maturity of a call center and you would say in your call center, it's 85% voice-based, agent-based business and the benchmark is that 50% is done by a voice chatbot based on AI-supported algorithms and robotics in between doing all the you know what i mean yeah, yeah. then then i believe it's very helpful but on a, on a company level what does it help you you're less mature than who yeah right right so um and it's a sales tool i think if if everyone understands that this was all designed to show a gap and then say but look here's the solution just sign here if everyone is aware of this fact, then you can make your use of maturity models. You just shouldn't be pushed around by it because you can always put, I don't know, an Amazon or a hyperscaler at the this is best in class kind of yeah. dimension and you always lose and you always invest money to catch up. Yeah, I, I'm, that, I'm very simpatico with that that point of view. And so, so one thing, you know, go back to sort of how AI is changing things. And again, I'm, uh, one of our concerns is that, is that management teams are uh, too flat-footed on this topic, right? They're, they're not being aggressive. And so one way that we're, we're chipping at that is we, we just put a, a paper out called on the AI capabilities landscape. And what we're doing is we are looking for specific use cases. I mean, you, you call center is a great example, right? And we're saying, look, as we go out and survey companies and, 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 and look at what they're doing, when we see these use cases... And, and, and how common they are, we're, we're putting that on the table so that a management team can say, oh, that's a use case that you're telling me 30, you know, 5% of tech companies are doing, and we haven't even looked at that, right? So, so, so being more specific and, you know, so the companies can get more specific <laughs> around where their opportunities are and not just say, oh, I've got this massive gap, you know, and now, you know, I've got to try to, you know, get a, get a strategy around it. So I, I, again, very simpatico to that perspective. And, and the one thing I've learned, like, remember when the RPA trend started mm -hmm. a couple of years yep. ago? Yep. And everyone said, look, we cannot fix the overall systems, but we can paint it over with a macro on steroids, so to say. And then we will heal all the weaknesses. And the ROIs of these projects, they were amazing. You, you could demonstrate that after six months, you got your money back. Wow, yeah. But as a CFO then once told me, he said, look, Tim, I love it. But you're fully aware that the process which has been selected for the pilot is affecting 10 FTEs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I have 10,000. So what, what now? And I'm a bit worried that Gen AI has the same 
this this is the danger of use cases. You know, you pick a use case, you pilot the use case, everyone is excited, and then you find out that it's not a scalable use case. And then you end up in the areas where it's scalable, and that's usually then call centers, high volume interactions, um, where you can replace the human element. Yeah, well, and and so let me click into that that whole concept of use cases, right? So, so I think, and again, just overall for AI strategy, I'll give you an observation of of what of what we see right now is that you know how is AI going to change workflows, you know, and how's a company answering that question? Right now, it is it's a bit of an art project, and it's very departmental, right? So maybe sales is <clears throat> using you know a, a tool like Gong, and maybe the call center is doing something, and maybe you know and they're playing with predictive support. So you have these different pilots going on, which is fine. The the, the thing with AI, though, I believe, is that you know companies, executive teams, boards should be sitting down and saying. What are the big, scalable, massively disruptive use cases, to your point? And we should be prioritizing those. <laughs> and we should be funding those. And we should be learning from those instead of, you know, a bunch of little pilots, which, to your point, some are going to have, uh, you, know, a, you know, not a very big impact in the long term. And, and so I think that yes. companies have got to figure out what their compelling use cases are. And the sooner they do, the, the better. Because back to your, you know, am I early or am I late? Again, this could be so game changing that if you're very late to the game, again, your cost structure may just be prohibitive compared to where your competitors are three years from now. And that's why it's also no surprise why all the big enterprise platform software companies, why they are so aggressive oh, absolutely. on the AI front. Because once, you, once you've covered the, the interface to whatever is in the back, then, then you've secured a foothold which might stay for some time. That's absolutely right. Yeah. No, it's really super interesting times. Well, hey, thank you so much for the conversation. I really uh, enjoyed it. And again, I think it's a it's a it's a, a very solid book that you have out there. It's good. Um, it's you know it's it's thorough. But I, I again, I liked it because you, you know it's it's not it's not trying to sell digital transformation. I mean, you're putting it you know on the table again, eyes wide open. You're explaining you know really um, what this is is about and and i'm going to close i usually close with a question of the day but today i'm going to close with an observation of the day and that is that digital transformation it is not for the faint of heart yet it is it is most likely at the heart of your future success in the marketplace cheers everybody 